Hey there, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. Well, you've thought about doing your own podcast, let me tell you, it's not near as hard as it used to be. I launched a podcast back in 2008, and it was crazy difficult to get it listed everywhere where listeners were, which back then wasn't really that many places. But now, podcasts are everywhere, and with a platform like Buzzsprout, you can be all over the place with one click, plus a great-looking website, analytics, and more. That's why... We use Buzzsprout. So follow the link in the show notes, and that'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus, it helps support our show as well. Again, down in the show notes with Buzzsprout. Let's go. All right. Go ahead. The time is now. Let's do it. Here we go. This is the Ike Wingate Show. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday. Here we on our uh, here we are on August 9th, 2023. So glad you're here. Coming up. Celebrity birthdays, this day in history, some random facts for you, and the headlines you need to know from around the world. And are you getting good sleep or not? Sometimes it's just a matter of believing it. We've got that story coming up. Plus, Stranger Than Fiction features a burglar befriending a family dog while breaking in. And we'll be talking law with Greg Thurman in studio uh, next hour. Of course, today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or give them a call, 479-253-1234. And it is that time of morning for your celebrity birthdays. You know, Whitney Houston would have been 60 today. She passed away in 2012. Uh, Adelaide Kane, who plays Dr. Jules Millen on Grey's Anatomy, is 33. Bill Skarsgård, who is Pennywise the Clown in the It remake, is 33. Anna Kendrick from the Pitch Perfect movies is 38. Ashley Johnson, who played little Chrissy Seaver on Growing Pains, Pains, uh, she grew up to play Patterson, the FBI forensic scientist. Uh, And she's 40 today. Rona Mitra who played Dr. Rachel Scott on TNT's The Last Ship, is 47. Audrey Tattoo from The Da Vinci Code is 47. Another Grey's Anatomy birthday. She played Dr. Arizona Robinson. I'm sorry, Arizona Robbins. She's in real life known as Jessica Capshaw. She's 47 today. Are you kidding me? Another Grey's Anatomy birthday? Dr. Owen Hunt, a.k.a. Kevin McKidd, is 50 today. Mac 10, the rapper, 52. Thomas Lennon, who is Lieutenant Jim Dangle on Reno 911, is 53. Eric Banya is 55. Jillian Anderson, who was Dana Scully on the X Files, is 55. Deion Sanders, Neon Dion, is 56 today. Hoda Cote, bleh, can't even remember her name. Uh, she's on the Today Show, she's 59. Curtis Blow, the old school rapper, is 64. Marcy DRC on Married with Children, who is known in the real world as Amanda Bears, is 65. Melanie Griffin is 66. Sam Elliott, actor Sam Elliott, 79. It's National Book Lovers Day today, and in 1790 on this date, the Columbia returned to the Boston Harbor after a three-year voyage, becoming the first ship to carry the American flag around the world. 
Henry David Thoreau published Walden, which described his experiences while living near Walden Pond in Massachusetts. This happened uh, in 1854. Edward VII, crowned King of England in 1902. Jesse Owens led the U.S. 400-meter relay team to the gold at the Berlin Olympics on this date in 1936. In 1945, three days after the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, the United States exploded another one in Nagasaki. An estimated 74,000 people died. The Beatles movie Help was released in the U.S. in 1965 on this date. President Nixon resigned from office and Gerald Ford was sworn in on this date in 1974. President Reagan nominated... Loro Cavazos, as Secretary of Education, the first Latino to serve in the cabinet on this date in 1988. And in 2000, Bridgestone Firestone announced it was recalling six and a half million tires that have been implicated in hundreds of accidents and at least 46 deaths. Michael Irvin, the Dallas Cowboy, arrested for possession of less than two ounces of pot on this date in 2000. What else? Uh, Bernie Mac died unexpectedly of heart failure while having pneumonia on this date in 2008. Those are your celebrity birthdays and this day in history. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your random facts. Starting in the 50s. I'm sorry, in your 50s, in our 50s. When you get to your 50s, I'm not there yet. Uh, most people have a noticeable reduction in body hair, especially in the legs. The reason is unknown, but it could be due to poorer circulation or lower hormone levels. Less hairy legs. I mean, that's not a bad thing, is it? Charles Darwin used to eat all the rare species he'd find to see what they taste like. He sampled puma, giant tortoises, iguana, armadillo, rat, and more. Well, that could explain some things. The guy who invented the USB wanted it to be flippable. But that doubled the cost, so we got the USB devices that only plug in one way. And always somehow the opposite way in which you're trying to plug them in on the first try. Isn't that the truth? If you get it the first try, you're like, yeah. The phrase, knock, knock, who's there, comes from Shakespeare. It was in Macbeth. Wow. Shakespeare invented the knock, knock joke. Babies are born without kneecaps. They just have cartilage that hardens into bone as they get older. Those are your random facts. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Next hour, we will be talking to Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan in the studio, talking law, so make sure you hang on for that. Getting a look now at your headlines from around the world. U.S. bank stocks fell after Moody's downgraded 10 regional banks, renewing concerns about the sector's health. The reaction suggests that banks remain vulnerable to the problems that stirred a panic this spring after the failures of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, and First Republic. Devalued bonds, jittery investors, deposit withdrawals, and higher costs. All the cuts were by a single notch, and all the banks remained investment grade. Meanwhile, July's U.S. stock gains left hedge funds closing out so-called short positions and cutting the risk at the fastest pace in years. And Donald Trump hasn't picked a running mate, and the field is wide open. The Republican presidential frontrunner remains focused on party primaries, according to aides, but there's plenty of speculation 
Possible running mates range from staunch congressional loyalists like Representative Elise Stefanik of New York and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia to popular party figures including Arizona television host Carrie Lake. One prominent critic, Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina, has been warming to the idea of serving alongside him. Okay, the president's also uh, commented that he could tap a current 2024 Republican rival for the job. And China's exports in July fell 14.5% from a year earlier, the steepest year-over-year decline since February of 2020. China's general admission of customs data showed that after a short-lived rebound in the spring, a decline that started in October when consumers overseas began spending more on services such as entertainment and dining out and less on goods, has continued. Worsening geopolitical tensions between Beijing and the U.S.-led West have also prompted some Western manufacturers to rely less on China's supply chain, a move that's expected to erode trade ties between the two. And finally, Elon Musk is seeking to reimagine the classic American pickup with Tesla's Cybertruck, but it has been challenging. The truck, that is all angles and unpainted stainless steel, is expected to debut later this year. It will be the company's first new passenger vehicle in more than three years. Design changes, cost overruns, pandemic uncertainties, and other issues have caused years-long delays. Some industry observers worry that uniquely designed uh, worry that the uniquely designed vehicle will have limited buyer appeal and that production costs will hurt already thin profit margins. Those are your headlines from around the globe. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Is it a good morning? Did you sleep okay last night? Because that is the question surrounding this particular new study that is uh, now been published. Basically, whether you got a good night's sleep or not, if your brain is convinced that you did, it may actually result in you feeling better. That's what uh, this new study found. Uh, The mood that is affected by whether or not you had sleep or not can be swayed by what your brain actually believes. Researchers in England used Fitbit-style monitors to track people's sleep patterns. They compared the data to notes each person kept about how restful their sleep felt and how moody they were the next day. Now, it turned out that when they thought they had a good night's sleep, they were more likely to be in a good mood. And if they thought they didn't sleep well, they were likely to be in a bad mood all day. Yeah, it would be pretty hard to trick yourself into thinking you slept well when you didn't. But uh, if you woke up feeling like you didn't sleep well and then checked a sleep tracker that said you did actually sleep really well, it might improve your mood and prevent you from waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Basically, you look at your Fitbit and it says, yeah, you slept great even though you feel like junk. And then you might go, well, you know, actually I do feel pretty good. Here's what I will say about this is the times that I don't sleep well and I forget that I woke up, you know, two hours earlier than I normally would. When I forget that throughout the day, I feel fine. But then when I recall that and I go, oh yeah, no, I actually, uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. Then, Then it affects how you feel. The brain is powerful. So I don't know why they did this study and if if they're trying to figure out ways to use technology to tell people they slept well really when they didn't and they'll just love having this new device that tells them that. I don't know. I mean, if there's a way to make money, you know they're going to find it, right? But anyway, whether you slept well or not, tell yourself you did and you might just have a great day. Good morning.
And a very pleasant good morning to you. You know, whether you're new to tax prep or have a few years under your belt, you know, you could have a tax pro career at your local H&R Block. Yeah, call the Berryville location at 870-423-3376, and you can earn extra income along with a flexible schedule, whether it's full-time or part-time work that meets your lifestyle. A meaningful new career as a tax pro could be yours with the completion of H&R Block's income tax course. Remote options are also available, so just call them. Call H&R Block in Berryville, 870-423-3376 for an instructor-led classroom course today, or just go to hrblock.com class. Now, I do need to tell you that uh, enrollment restrictions and course material fees may apply. Enrollment in or completion of the H&R Block income tax course is neither an offer nor a guarantee of employment. All right, now let's do this. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, this is a new one, I got to tell you. No one can resist a cute pet, right? Even if they're in the process of doing something illegal. A man in California was caught on surveillance video stealing a bike from someone's garage. The garage was open, but it sounds like nobody was home at the time. The thief took a $1,300 bike. The best part, though, is when the dog, the homeowner's golden retriever, shows up on camera to greet the burglar. Not the best watchdog, but a very cute dog, according to the thief, because he stopped and started petting and playing with the dog in the middle of a burglary. He even tells the dog, you're so cool. You're the coolest dog I've ever known. I love you, too. You're a sweetheart. And uh, and then he says, where's your dad? Asking for the dog's dad and appearing to say he shouldn't leave the garage open. Well, did that change the burglar's mind? Did he somehow develop a conscience when he saw the cute dog? No. He took the bike anyway. The police are still looking for him. And it looks like he may have been under the influence at the time that is stranger than fiction good morning and we're back in studio talking law with greg thurman of thurman and flanagan last time we talked about the burden of proof shifting to the injured party when we were talking about the uh, the four elements of negligence one of them is damages you mentioned now what what exactly does that mean well that's really where the burden shifts we give the duty we have breach we have causation and then the damages is when the injured party has to prove up the value of the case that's you know what are my damages and then we have of course economic damages i think people understand that you've got the medical bills that are in being incurred for the treatment the injury related treatment this this you know action by this party that breached their duty you have obviously a lot of times if it's a car accident you have property damage your car was fine and then you get rear-ended there's either going to have to be body work done on it or it can be totaled out that is an economic damage people that are injured more seriously a lot of times they miss work because they're having to go to a doctor or the type of work they did and the injuries they suffered they can't return to work immediately so you have wage loss that's an economic injury i've been involved Ike, in cases in which people are permanently injured they're permanently disabled and in those situations that you know they if they're never going to go back to work you you also have future wage loss and we retain an economist who will put together 
what would this person, but for this accident and the damages they suffered and the injuries they suffered that are preventing them from working, what would their working wages have been over the course of their working life? In some cases, if you have somebody that, you know, maybe they've been paralyzed, they're in a wheelchair, they're going to have to have a certain vehicle to get them in and out. Uh, They're going to have to have certain beds. There may be modifications to the house that have to be done to deal with this permanent life-changing injury that they suffered. And we bring in a life care planner who basically will evaluate what are their needs going to be over the course of the rest of their life for the injuries they have suffered. And I've handled these types of cases, people that are paralyzed, that have feeding tube and, you know, devastating type injuries. And it devastates not only them, but their entire family. And so our firm's job is to, you know, make sure that we put all the economic damages together. And those are the ones that we deal with the most. And then, of course, on the other side of it, the law allows for non-economic damages. And a lot of people, I think sometimes this is where my listeners and the juries kind of, they struggle with, you know, pain and suffering. I remember one of my first jury trials, I tried a case and they paid the medical bills, they paid the wage loss, but they didn't give us a lot in pain and suffering. And and after a trial, attorneys entitled to, to talk to the jurors. I mean, we can't talk to them, obviously, before or during the trial. But after a trial and there's been a verdict, you can talk to them and, and find out what their thoughts were. And as a young lawyer, I did that learned a lot. And I remember an old-timer one time say, you know, Greg, you did a heck of a job trying that case, but I just think pain and suffering's a way of life. And I never forget, I said, sir, I, I don't dis." And he told me all about his aches and pains. And I said, but if another person causes that, causes that pain and suffering because they weren't abiding by their duty to follow the rules of the road or keep a proper, you know, the things we talked about earlier with negligence, then the law says, hey, if you're going to have low back pain the rest of your life or you had it for six months, the law says that you're entitled to be compensated, you know, have value placed on what you have gone through. I like to think of it sometimes as a quality of life. People sometimes, they may get back to work. They, they may not have the serious injuries that I've seen in, in some of my cases, but they're never quite the same. It's affected yeah. their quality of life. They've got aches and pains they never had previously, and they're going to have the rest of their life. And the law says, look, you're entitled to be compensated for that. We can't go back in time and make it not happen. So the only way our system allows that person to be compensated for having to deal with that is through a monetary value. And that's that's a compensatory claim that, that people bring. And that's probably, in, in some ways, the hardest thing to, to explain to a jury because people kind of come into that jury box with their own aches and pains and uh, nobody maybe have paid them for them. But when you explain to them that but for this person that was on their cell phone, (laughs) this person that crossed the center line, this person that was going 20 miles over the speed limit, but for those actions, my client wouldn't have this bum knee. My client wouldn't have had to endure two surgeries. And yeah, they have recovered But they went through pain and suffering during those surgeries and physical therapy to get back to where they are at today. One of our jobs as attorneys is to to explain that in in ways that people can relate to. And I'll never forget, I think it was my second jury trial where that old timer told me, pain and suffering is just a way of life. I think he said, here in these Ozarks. Hmm. And... uh, (laughs) And when I responded to him like that, it stopped him. And I thought, okay, you know, obviously I didn't get that across well enough in my closing, <laughs> um, you know, but, but anyway, it was, it, it was still one of those situations where I've learned that that's probably one of the most difficult aspects of a case. And typically these are cases when it looks like the person has recovered after 
six months, nine months, or you know, and they seem to be back on their feet, it's 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 expressing to that jury that they're entitled to have a value placed on what they went through yeah. to get back there, and that's that's a non-economic damage. Yeah, that's an excellent way of, of framing it up as well. And and a functional society has to have accountability in places for negligence. The other thing that I hear when I'm listening to you is you really need to make sure you know what you're doing when you're driving. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of times people conflate somebody who was just negligent to well intentional act. And, hmm. you know, it's not that we haven't all been negligent. I mean, we have. We've right. Who hasn't been maybe on their cell phone when they shouldn't have been and look up and, you know, cross the center line and just thank goodness there wasn't a car there or missed a red light. You know, we all have. It doesn't make you a bad person, but under our system, if you injure somebody because you're not keeping your duty to protect others, our system requires compensation. And it's, it is part of life. It is part of life. And, you know, I'm a big believer in individual responsibility. A lot of times my job is to hold not only the individual responsible, but maybe the insurance company that is that is insured that individual. Hold them responsible, make them step up to the plate and follow the law. And so that's what we do if, if we have clients that, you know, have, have unfortunately suffered, you know, an injury that through an accident that wasn't their fault. Thank you uh, for being here in studio, Greg. Talking law with Thurman and Flanagan. Next time, we are going to get into what exactly your firm provides to injured people. Look forward to it, Ike. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Hope you are having a great Wednesday. And if you're at the, if you're at work right now, you may be at peak performance level on the job. According to a new study where they used computers to determine when workers are the most and least productive, they looked at metrics like typing speed, typing errors, mouse activity, and it was comprehensive. The data was from almost 800 different workers over two years. Now, in the end, they found that workers are the laziest and least productive in the office on what day? Friday. Yep, Friday afternoon is the laziest time. Not completely surprising. People are kind of, you know, killing time until the day's over to get to the weekend, I guess. Mondays are also a bit on the lower end of productivity. People are recovering from the weekend. The study didn't specifically say that when uh, workers are the most productive. However, according to the data, the general trend is as the week goes on, productivity drops off. So mornings are better than afternoons, and it's probably safe to say that today is the most productive day for you of the week. So get busy. Thursday morning is also pretty productive as well. Not completely surprising whatsoever. You would think Mondays might be the laziest, but Fridays, people got that weekend in mind, and they are just being lazy. So, hey, look, buck the trend and show your boss you're productive all the time. And maybe you'll get to leave early on Friday, and you don't have to be lazy. Good morning. Now, your headlines. Tyson Foods, while reporting third-quarter losses in revenue and profits, said earlier this week that it's closing four more chicken processing plants, including one in North Little Rock, in an effort to cut costs. They said that other plants to be closed are in Corridan, Indiana, and Knoll and Dexter, Missouri. A company spokesperson said Tyson's not disclosing how many jobs will be eliminated as a result of the closures. And a federal appeals court affirmed Joshua Duggar's child porn conviction earlier this week, rejecting his argument incriminating statements he made should have been suppressed and he should get a new trial. Duggar, 35 of Springdale, was convicted back in December of 2021 of possessing child pornography by a federal court jury in Fayetteville. 
U.S. Judge Timothy L. Brooks sentenced Duggar to 12 and a half years in federal prison. He was also ordered to serve 20 years of supervised release after his prison term and to pay a $10,000 fine. Brooks also assessed fees totaling $40,100. That's according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced in a statement yesterday the current interim Secretary of Health Renee Mallory would officially become the state's permanent Secretary of Health. Mallory was first appointed as interim secretary by then-Governor Asa Hutchinson. Before this, Mallory served 34 years at the Department of Health, which both Hutchinson and Sanders believe make her a great candidate for her position. Those are your headlines. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you are having a great Wednesday. Well, recently on an American Airlines flight, a pilot went into a bit of a, what would you call this, like lecture mode, or maybe maybe it's like his TED Talk, if you will, but... Uh, This uh, video from the flight is getting some attention after he went off on flight etiquette. Would you call this going off? I don't know. You be the judge. He basically lectured people on not being selfish and rude. This is just a part of the clip. Remember, the flight attendants are primarily here for your safety. After that, they're here to make the flight more enjoyable. They're going to take care of you guys, but you will listen to what they have to say because they represent my will in the cockpit or in the cabin. People should treat people the way you want to be treated. But I have to say it every single flight because people don't. They're selfish and rude. Don't lean on other people. Don't fall asleep on other people. Don't pass out on other people or drool on them unless you've talked about it. And they have a weather-resistant jacket. Little seaters, I know it stinks to be in the middle. Raise your hands. All right, nobody's listening. Fine. You own both armrests. That is my gift to you. Welcome on board our flight. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ike Gate Show. What do you think about that clip? Uh, that was all all directly from the flight, of course. No, nothing was added there. Uh, that is, uh, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but is that what you want to hear before you get ready to take off? I don't know, but uh, it seemed like the middle seat made out well on that with getting both armrests. Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government, and our culture. It's the Ike Wingate Show. You can find it at IkeWingate.com. Please subscribe to it, listen to it. It's a longer-form, unfiltered podcast that delves deep into the issues that are happening in our culture. So check it out, please. Hey, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. It's an honor to know you've been listening and hanging out with us. We know you got choices, and believe me, we appreciate that you made this choice. We'd love to spread the word. We need your help with that. Leave us a review, rate us, whatever you can, because that'll help spread the word on the show. You want to contact us? Hit us up, show at IkeWingate.com. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. Just type in the Ike Wingate Show. Have a great day.